This is the world's biggest fraud that's ever been perpetrated. Tonight, a COVID denier rally with a difference. Nurses and a BC medical doctor taking part. Plus. I managed to pick up a bug myself and have been a little bit out of commission these last two days. And now we know why Dr. Henry likely missed Friday's pandemic briefing also. You don't want your child to test positive. We don't know enough about this disease. Calls for rapid testing after a COVID outbreak at an SFU daycare. And the BC Public Health campaign, even the ministry admits, missed the mark. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Hundreds rallied at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon to protest the continuing COVID-19 restrictions. Among the speakers, several nurses and a doctor raising concerns about the possibility of medical professionals lending legitimacy to misinformation. Paul Johnson has our top story. I've come to speak to the, the people that are gathering today at the, at the rally. This is what happened when we set up to interview one of the top billed speakers at Saturday's Grand Freedom Rally in Vancouver. It took the help of a couple of police officers before we could proceed. The interview was important because Dr. Stephen Malthouse is the first practicing doctor in B.C. who we've spoken with who's been willing to put his professional reputation on the line and publicly challenge the government's response to the pandemic. What we're being told to do, the measures that are being rolled out, the rules that are being created for people to follow in British Columbia are actually causing a great deal of harm. Malthouse challenges the science behind mask wearing, social distancing and lockdowns. It's a message that's well received here. The virus, in quotes, has never been isolated or purified in a lab. A year into Canada's story of the pandemic, and this movement is going strong, but evolving. Now insisting they be identified as freedom fighters, not anti-maskers. And emphasizing even more their anger and distrust of the media. I support the truth, like Trump is the president of the world. He's still the president of the world. Fiction writers. At one point, reporters covering this event were singled out and reminded of their professional obligations. Do your job. Do your job. Rallies like these, which happen in defiance of the public health orders, have brought this withering response from BC's Solicitor General. They are the problem. And that the sooner we get this curve bent down, the sooner we get COVID under control, then they can go back to their, uh, their narcissistic, self-indulgent ways. Given that many here are pushing ideas and slogans that are not supportable by facts, we asked Dr. Malthouse if he's concerned that his stature as a licensed physician is egging them on. I'm just telling people, don't take my word for it. Don't take Bonnie Henry's word for it. Do the research yourself. It's all out there. It's just not going to come to your cross on your TV set. Big news stories for them. Do In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. The spread of the highly transmissible COVID-19 variant has prompted the federal government to extend the Canada-U.S. border closure. All land border crossings will remain closed to non-essential travel until at least March 21st. That day will mark exactly one year since the border was closed to all but essential travel in an effort to slow the spread of the virus.
The Canadian military has arrived at the Peace Arch border, setting up tents, presumably to help those entering the country. As of February 15th, people entering from the U.S. through land borders must submit a negative test taken in the U.S. within 72 hours before arrival. They can also submit a positive test taken 14 to 90 days before coming to Canada. That's a time period that officials feel is long enough for the illness to have passed, but not so long that immunity may have waned. BC health officials say they're working on making the COVID-19 vaccine rollout a culturally safe experience for First Nations peoples. The province's top doctor made that statement during the annual general meeting of Métis Nation BC today. Dr. Bonnie Henry also made a surprising admission about not feeling well. Despite writing a book about soap and water and common sense, I managed to pick up a bug myself and have been a little bit out of commission these last two days. Health officials told the virtual meeting to expect clinics to open mid-March with higher risk populations getting their shots before that. Métis and other Indigenous peoples are eligible to get their shots 15 years younger than the rest of the population. The Deputy Provincial Health Officer for Indigenous Health says they're working hard to make Métis people feel seen during the vaccination process. We know that there are going to be hiccups. We know that there are going to be bumps along this road. It just, it would be inconceivable that we wouldn't. And again, um, recognizing what just came out in the In Plain Sight report, we have a lot of work to do um, to create cultural safety throughout our systems. Former children's advocate Mary Ellen Turpel of Fawn's report In Plain Sight found widespread racism in BC's health system and made 24 recommendations which Health Minister Adrian Dix has promised to implement. An SFU health researcher and PA student is speaking out in frustration after his wife and young children tested positive for COVID-19. It's connected to an outbreak at a daycare facility on Burnaby Mountain. And as Nadia Stewart reports, Andrew Longhurst is angry because the outbreak is likely connected to a social gathering. It's the last thing any parent wants these days, to learn there's been a COVID-19 exposure at their child's daycare. And then, days later, to find out their child has the virus. You don't want your child to test positive. We don't know enough about this disease. It's unpredictable. Um, and it's scary to be in this situation as a new parent. All you want to do is protect your kid. <laughs> Fraser Health confirms there are 26 COVID-19 positive cases associated with the outbreak at SFU Childcare Society. It's also the first outbreak at a daycare within the Fraser Health region. There are concerns the rapid spread here could be linked to a trivia night at a pub. The health authority is not confirming that, saying in an email that an event involving a trivia night at a pub within the Fraser Health region has resulted in 25 primary cases of COVID-19, as well as numerous secondary cases, including an outbreak at a childcare centre. For Longhurst, the whole incident underscores the need for rapid COVID testing in BC, pointing to Nova Scotia as an example. They use rapid testing and they do pop-up rapid testing. These are ways to catch asymptomatic cases and stop forward transmission. So far, the province has not ramped up rapid testing, despite calls from the community to test more people more often. 
using rapid testing kits. When we know that there's a higher probability of people having the virus, whether they're symptomatic or not, we do systematic testing um, on a repeated basis with the PCR testing with the rapid turnaround times. But for Longhurst, anything less than widespread rapid testing is unacceptable at this point. To me, it becomes a public policy issue. Where is the strategy in terms of getting everyone through this. Ultimately, he says the outbreak at the daycare could have been prevented, and he fears the absence of more proactive measures in place could mean the current situation will get much worse before it gets better. Nadia Stork, Global News. Two more people have died in a COVID-19 outbreak at Royal Inland Hospital. Three deaths are now linked to the outbreak, which was first declared in a surgical unit on January 22nd. Royal Inland has 105 cases of the virus, with 36 patients and 69 staff infected. The outbreak began on Unit 6 South, but was later expanded to include Unit 6 North. Interior Health has been conducting surveillance testing of staff throughout the hospital to try to catch any cases early. It was a shocking crime that shook a Vancouver neighborhood. An elderly woman brutally beaten in her own home by two men allegedly posing as police officers. As Kristen Robinson reports, the deadly attack was the first of two incidents in less than two weeks involving suspects pretending to be cops. Vancouver's top cop confirming how the suspects in a deadly home invasion allegedly posed as police officers to gain entry to 78-year-old Usha Singh's home on January 31st. Two males that broke into that residence and did have, were wearing gear uh, to make them look like they were police officers, which is, um, you know, highly disturbing. The senior left clinging to life after a vicious attack died in hospital two days later. 41-year-old Pascal Boutillette and 47-year-old Sandy Parisian, not the only suspects accused of recently presenting themselves as fake cops. They want to get access to you. Uh, it's concerning. We had another one just in the last couple of weeks where somebody jumped in a vehicle impersonating a police officer. On February 10th, a carjacking thwarted in East Vancouver. A driver stopped in traffic after leaving a grocery store when police say a man hopped in the passenger side claiming to be a cop. The driver realized he wasn't and was able to get out and flag down a real officer. The suspect arrested and charged with robbery and falsely representing himself as a peace officer. Well, the unfortunate thing is there's ways to impersonate badges, there's ways to do fake ID cards, there's ways to get raid jackets, so nothing is 100% foolproof. With police tactical gear available online, anyone unsure if an officer is real or an imposter is urged to call police, or if they're being pulled over, drive to a safe, busy area. If they're not policemen, they're not going to get out and try and deal with you in front of a bunch of witnesses. If someone's at your door, the advice, call police to verify an officer's identity. Also consider boosting home security and installing alarms for elderly family members living alone. The police are there, 9-11, emergency, they show up. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Allegations of excessive force are surfacing after Vancouver police made four arrests at an anti-pipeline protest Friday. Instagram video shows an officer pulling a man's hair and throwing a woman to the ground. It does not, however, show the events that led up to it. 
Police say the protesters had occupied the building all afternoon, blocking all of the main entrances. The VPD moved in after building management asked for the space to be cleared and after occupants expressed concern about not being able to enter and exit safely. Police say a few protesters were aggressive and fought with officers, damaging a glass sign. Four people were arrested for mischief and obstructing a police officer. Three protesters accused of blocking the B.C. Premier's home have had their criminal mischief charges stayed after the group agreed to stay away from John Horgan's home for two years. 60-year-old Regine Klein, 69-year-old Mark Nakarin, and 66-year-old Howard Breen were charged in connection with a small protest outside Horgan's home in Langford last February. RCMP say the three from Extinction Rebellion were arrested after blocking access to the driveway and refusing to leave the exclusion zone. All three have since entered into peace bonds and must abide by seven conditions, including staying away from Horgan and his wife and not going within 100 meters of their home. A Vancouver police officer injured on the job is now recovering at home. Sporting a ball cap from Fire Hall 9 in East Vancouver, the member was released from Vancouver General Hospital on Tuesday. He was injured while battling a vacant home fire last Friday night. When crews entered, the floor collapsed and he fell through, landing on his back. A mayday was called and he was able to partially self-rescue before his colleagues carried him out on a spine board. He was treated on scene before undergoing tests in hospital. It's well documented the mental health of British Columbians has suffered during the pandemic. So the provincial government launched a new initiative aimed at helping us manage stress and anxiety. The self-care bingo was tweeted out on Friday, but as Julia Foy reports, it was quickly mocked and skewered by many. Do you like to dance or listen to music? Do you enjoy walks in the park and heading out into nature? Well, according to a B.C. government self-help bingo game, you could be a winner. For a lot of us, we're past that point where reading a book or building a blanket fort is going to help us. Lear says he recognizes that the government message was meant to be uplifting, but it fell a bit flat. need to move beyond that uh, issue of, you know, reading a book or taking a nap is going to help and it kind of comes across as all you need to do is those things to and everything will be fine which isn't the case. Twitter users were fired up about the bingo game writing BC government has the power to make actual mental health services more accessible but they'd rather tell you to make a blanket fort and we're literally at the government telling us to cry stage of the pandemic cool cool. The first thing that went to my mind was you know, there are like, you know, a couple hundred people living in tents just over there. And, and uh, it's not like we can, you can't meditate a virus away. It's just, it just seemed uh, kind of insulting to everybody. Ward advocates for people who need affordable housing and access to safe drug supplies. She was so mad about the self-help bingo game, she created her own. So then I made my own card for them. Uh, things that they could actually do that would save lives and actually limit the spread of the virus and then limit how long we would be living with it. After the online criticism, the government did respond with two tweets which read, COVID-19 has caused mental, emotional and financial stress. Our post was meant to give people ideas of how they can take care of themselves and their neighbours and point them to free and low-cost mental health supports. And a little later, We've seen positive feedback and also heard we missed the mark. We know there's a lot more work to do to get through this. 
were committed to doing the work. What helps with mental health challenges is actually getting out and sharing stories and demonstrating empathy. And that's, that's kind of what these messages have lacked. Julia Foy, Global News. One escape from stress in Kelowna has been outdoor skating at Stewart Park. But there's only one week left before the skating venue is closed for the season, despite its extremely pop, extreme popularity this pandemic winter. Jamie Tawil has more. It's been a smooth season for public skating in downtown Kelowna, albeit a shortened one. Local skaters have been able to hit the ice at Stewart Park since January 11th, but with warmer weather on the way, the last day to lace them up at the popular downtown rink will be February 28th. For those who've been coming here often, there's been no shortage of adjusting, not only to new regulations, but also having to book ice time, sometimes days in advance. It makes sense that they don't want uh, twice or three times this number of people, so and the family loves it, so it's been, it's been good. It's a nice way to get out and go do something kind of social, but still have your distance. It was difficult to get a spot, but I just like set an alarm on my phone. It's just like you just have a plan for it. What an absolutely beautiful day. It takes a lot to get on this ice, though. This is the page worth of instructions on the City of Kelowna website that has everything from COVID rules and regulations to lengthy booking time instructions. And while it might be a bit of a hindrance for some looking to get on the ice, it's certainly a welcome change for those already on it. We used to come lots last year, and it was really snowy and a little bit rougher, and it was a lot harder for them to skate on. But this year, with them cleaning it so much more, they've gotten so much better at skating so quickly, which is great. While some may welcome these drastic changes, given they do result in more space and better ice, others are actually hoping the chaotic crowds of yesteryear return. Yeah, it would be great if, of course, we were, we were done with social distancing and, and we could have twice as many people out here for sure. It's unclear if we'll be any closer to a return to normal by the time skating at Stewart Park is set to return sometime in early December. But like most things during this pandemic, we'll just take that one step at a time. Jamie Tawil, Global News, Kelowna. Dozens of ancient coins discovered at the U.S.-Canada border in Blaine, Washington, have found a new permanent home on the West Coast. 51 Greek, Hellenistic and early Islamic coins were seized in 2017 from a suspect who was refused entry to B.C. from the U.S. The Bellingham Herald reports the coins are similar to ones found on the red list of Afghanistan antiquities at risk, but they were not claimed by any country, so they were legally forfeited to the U.S. government. Authorities say a man illegally obtained the coins and was trying to sell them in Canada. Uh, but a private citizen would not would not normally be in possession of something like this. That's immediately suspicious. We lose the context of what the coins meant, where they were discovered. Were they under a temple? Were they used to, to facilitate trade in these old civilizations? In 2019, the curator of the Special Collections Center of the University of Washington Libraries petitioned the Border Patrol to donate the coins. They were transferred to the university on Thursday, allowing archaeologists and students to study them. Border agents say they busted 12,000 coin smuggling operations across the U.S. 
Nanaimo firefighters jumped into action when a six-month-old puppy became stuck during a hike. The puppy fell into a crevasse while it was walking with its owners along Abyss Trail in South Nanaimo. The puppy dropped about 10 meters into the crevasse. The firefighters were able to pull it up and say the dog did not sustain any major injuries. Thank goodness. A door camera in Kelowna's lower mission area captured the moments just after midnight last night when what appears to be a bobcat strolled up a snow-covered driveway then wandered off. The homeowner noticed the interesting tracks in the snow when he went out in the morning to shovel and thought he'd better check his door camera footage. More than 180,000 people live near three erupting volcanoes in Guatemala and many are unable to find safety. When lava flows from Fuego, or Volcano of Fire, it cascades into the nearby rivers blocking escape routes. Their only option is to move to higher ground. It's one of 11 active volcanoes in the Central American country along the so-called Ring of Fire. Hundreds were killed in the last deadly eruption in 2018. Some trouble on the tracks in Spruce Grove, Alberta Friday, and it was all caught on camera. Pull her through. A semi-truck was on the tracks as a train was approaching, but the big rig hauling vehicles was hauling vehicles and was caught up in the crossing arm. The driver was slowly trying to clear the tracks, but didn't clear in time. The truck clipped the truck and uh, the train clipped the truck and a couple of vehicles, but it could have been a heck of a lot worse. The RCMP is investigating to see why the truck wasn't able to clear the tracks in time and thankfully nobody was injured in this accident. In Colorado, a passenger jet was, has landed safely after parts of the plane fell from the sky on a residential neighborhood. A large piece of the United Airlines Boeing 777 landed in a yard barely missing a home. The video purportedly from onboard United Flight 328 terrifying. The right engine on fire, most of the covering gone. While on the ground, shrapnel and what appears to be the engine cowling in the front yard of a home in the Denver suburb of Broomfield. Nearby, more chunks and pieces littering a soccer field. It was just after 1 p.m. Mountain Time when the pilot on the 777 flying from Denver to Honolulu with 241 people on board declared an emergency. Mayday, Mayday, United uh, 28, United 328 Heavy, Mayday, Mayday aircraft. Uh. Yeah, 328 Heavy, say again, please, can we read all that again? Yeah, United, Denver uh, Departure, United 328 Heavy, Mayday aircraft uh, just experienced a engine failure, need to turn immediately. On the ground, witnesses heard a loud bang, then saw a puff of smoke as debris began falling from the sky. We heard the boom, looked up and saw stuff just raining down from the sky, so we took uh, shelter. United says the plane experienced a rare uncontained engine failure where the engine fails and explodes rather than containing the failure. Despite widespread debris, no one on the ground was hit. Remarkably, we have had no injuries reported yet. So considering how nice the weather is today compared to last weekend, the amount of debris and how far it stretches, um, the dog park is right here, obviously the turf field behind me, and we have had no reports of any injuries. The incident drawing parallels to an uncontained engine failure three years ago on a Southwest Airlines flight that made an emergency landing in Philadelphia. One passenger was killed when the shrapnel punctured her window, pulling her from her seat. Today, no injuries. The flight landed safely at Denver International. 
Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. I know that NTSB is already mobilizing so that they, uh, an independent agency, can provide uh, uh, right away information as they piece together what has happened. A 95-year-old former Nazi concentration camp guard has been deported back to Germany from the United States. Authorities say Frederick Karl Berger, who was living in Tennessee, served as an armed guard in the Neuengam concentration camp system in 1945. During a trial last year, Berger admitted to his role. German authorities confirmed Berger has now been turned over to authorities for questioning. Britain's Prince Charles reportedly drove three hours from his Highgrove House residence today to visit his father, the Duke of Edinburgh, in a London hospital. The heir to the British throne was seen arriving at a back entrance to the hospital where 99-year-old Prince Philip has been since Tuesday. Buckingham Palace says the husband of Queen Elizabeth was admitted as a precaution after feeling ill with an ailment not related to COVID-19. Charles visited for about a half an hour and is reported to be staying in London. One of the Duke's granddaughters paid tribute to him in the naming of her first child. Princess Eugenie and her husband, Jack Brooksbank, announced their son's name is August Philip Hawk Brooksbank. He was born earlier this month. Eugenie is the youngest daughter of the Queen's third child, Prince Andrew, and his ex-wife, Sarah Ferguson. Eugenie is 10th in line to the British throne. In Health Matters, it's been nearly a year since the pandemic hit Canada, and it seems people working from home are facing a unique challenge. People are on their laptops all day, so some people are working from the kitchen tables. Um, they don't have exactly kind of the professional setup that they have at work. And the biggest thing that I've, I've noticed is people who are used to walking, taking the subway and walking, and, and just having that trip to work no longer have that. Spine care specialists have seen a rise in what they call pandemic posture. Neck and back injuries are being caused by being hunched forward or sitting on a soft surface, which doesn't provide your body with the support that it needs. It too. I would say that it can affect your productivity because when you're in pain, it's very difficult to focus on anything other than that pain. Um, so I would say it can affect your mental well-being as well, um, especially if it becomes chronic. The good news, there is a treatment in addition to physio and massage therapy, stretches, resistance training and just getting up and moving can all help. Experts also say you should also consider sitting straight in a firm chair, planting your feet on the ground with your computer screen at eye level. A space station supply ship named after the black NASA mathematician featured in the movie Hidden Figures blasted into orbit today. Two, one. We have engine ignition. Northrop Grumman named its capsule the SS Katherine Johnson. Her calculations contributed to astronaut John Glenn's flight in 1962 when he became the first American to orbit the Earth. Today's launch was the 59th anniversary of Glenn's historic launch. The capsule is set to reach the International Space Station on Monday. A dog in Hinton, Alberta is a Canadian first. Her two-year journey to become a trailblazer right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, the 55th annual Show of Hearts Telethon returned this year, although in a different way. But the message of helping BC kids remains the same. Here's Jordan Armstrong on how British Columbians have once again stepped up to the challenge. From musical performances to emotional magic moments, this year's Show of Hearts was one for the ages. Whoa. 
Legendary producer David Foster alongside Pia Toscano hitting all the right notes for this star-studded but COVID-safe show. And the Canadian talent didn't stop there. BC's own Loverboy reuniting virtually to perform one of their classics for this incredible cause. All to help kids like Emiliano, who loves to play but has cerebral palsy and other coexisting challenges, leaving him struggling to get around and keep up with his brother. With Variety's help, he's unstoppable. So he is receiving a power wheelchair. Oh my God. <laughs> and Layla, the recipient of the first ever Toygo Mobility Grant to ensure she can continue to thrive. On behalf of our beautiful province and all those kids and those families who are so grateful. Michael Buble, a longtime Variety supporter, surprised everyone by serving up White Spot. Throughout the day, we met so many kids who Variety has been able to help through your donations like Tommy, who is on the autism spectrum and needs costly speech therapy. He received the Leah Weeb grant to help him find his voice. Yeah, really can't put into words how, how grateful we are. Even with a global pandemic, at the end of the Telethon BC, you managed to raise almost $5.4 million. But of course, we want to go even higher by the end of the news hour. Call 310kids or go to variety.bc.ca to make a donation. Thanks so much, Jordan. All right, Yvonne, let's talk about the weather a little bit. Um, and before we do, I just want to mention that when you meet some of the families who are the recipients of Variety money and the programs that it, uh, it helps uh, initiate, you realize it's not just a child who's benefiting, it's the entire family. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you to everybody who donated. And there's still time to donate. Absolutely. There's always yes, there time is. to donate. All right. And there's time for weather. Go. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> we are tracking some wet weather. We can start to see some waves. There is a bit of a break, though, for areas near Richmond and out of the airport. But we are tracking that wet weather right now. And that's working its way in towards the Fraser Valley. So Abbotsford then pushing its way towards Hope. We are uh, seeing rainfall in a significant amount. And it's all courtesy of this atmospheric river that is taking aim across the province. It'll be rain along the coast. But we've got a significant amount of snow that'll be falling in inland and if you're traveling along the mountain passes. So here's the moisture that is going to pick up. It'll be waves. We've got five and up to 10 millimeters through the day and then potentially with an additional 25 millimeters as we get in towards the evening hours and that'll be for Metro Vancouver. Now here's a quick glance at what we are tracking for the rainfall totals. The target will be along the north and central coast. We do have rainfall warnings that are in effect. Metro Vancouver will see that 30 and up to 60 millimeters uh, looking ahead late day Monday. Now high stream flow advisory just around this is issued by the BC River Forecast Centre. We've got rapidly um, rising le uh, river levels rather over the next few days. So a close eye on that and the rainfall warning along the north and central coast. Inland 15 up to 80 millimetres along the coast. It'll be upwards of 100 to potentially 150 millimetres. Snowfall for the uh, interior along the coast. We will be looking or inland rather near Stewart 15 and up to 20 centimetres. By tomorrow night, Williston and Mimbrager also seeing a significant amount and along the Pine Pass between 20 and up to 30 centimeters. I've broken this down with the snowfall for this evening, we can see, but we still have a significant amount with a winter storm watch that is in effect, and that'll be for areas near the Rogers Pass between 30 and up to 40 centimeters through the day tomorrow. It is going to pick up a few spots, especially with the milder temperatures. It'll change over to rain and then intensify again with snowfall towards the evening. Coquihalla will be included within that watch with upwards of 20 centimeters, and the Allison and Kootenay Pass, you'll have to check in with dry 
drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. We've got a significant amount of snow, especially for the interior tomorrow. Now, the northern half of the province, it'll be the rain. It'll be paired with very windy conditions, potentially up to 70 kilometers per hour. Much of the southern interior will see that change for the valley bottoms with snow mixed with rain and then changing over to rain. Whistler this evening, still some wet snowfall accumulating between 2 and up to 4. In all areas across the south coast, we've got rainfall, a blustery day for tomorrow. It looks like we'll see that into early next week, but then a nice bright spot will be on our Tuesday, Wednesday. We're back into some sunshine and mild into next week. Colleen? Mm, looks good. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A school in Alberta is trying to put a positive spin on the pandemic. This is Ginger, the wellness dog. She's an Australian Labradoodle trained and certified to work at a school in Hinton. It has been a difficult year for students and Ginger is there to ease the anxiety caused by the pandemic. The school is the first in Canada to have chosen a puppy to train for this purpose. Staff worked with the Dreamcatcher Animal Assisted Wellness Academy for two years to get her certified and ready for the kids. Wouldn't you just love one of those? Yes, no? yes. Makes learning Absolutely. more fun when you have a cute puppy. Why not? Well, you know, uh, they say you're, when you pet a, a dog or a cat, your blood pressure goes down. So it's got to have some kind of good, positive health effects. Mm -hmm. Bring some treats for the dog, and then he'll like you more than Absolutely. everyone else. Yeah. Absolutely. What have we got coming up? Well, familiar story for the Canucks. Unfortunately, last night played pretty solid again, but nothing to show for it. 2 nothing loss to the Jets. We'll hear from... Tyler Myers talking about uh, the frustrations that uh, this season has been. And they played outdoor hockey in California today, and they had some problems with melting ice. So we'll tell you about that. Oh, no. There's a new social media app that's getting a lot of buzz. And before some of you roll your eyes, you're going to want to listen to this because this new app is all about audio, not photos, not video, just a lot of talk. But so far, only for those who've been invited. Social media usually involves photos, text, and videos. But a hot new social app called Clubhouse is centered around good old-fashioned audio. You can either sit and listen to people like you would perhaps at a conference, or you can participate. The platform is attracting celebrities including Drake, Oprah Winfrey, and Elon Musk, and driving unfettered conversations on all sorts of topics. I think some of the appeal here is going to be finding rooms that are about a breadth of topics that might be relevant to them. You have to be logged into the audio chat room, which caps capacity at 5,000, to be part of the conversation. There's no replay or recording feature. And at least for now, if you want to join Clubhouse, you have to be in the club. Clubhouse is still in beta, and so it's not available to everyone. And so if you want to be on Clubhouse, you need an invite. It's also only available on Apple devices so far, but those limitations haven't stunted its growth. The 11-month-old app had just 1,500 users in May, exploding beyond 2 million last month. The high demand is driving some early Clubhouse adopters to sell their invites on sites like eBay and Etsy for up to $150. You know, this app will eventually open up to everybody and you could sign up for free without a code. Buzz that spurred tech titans Twitter and Facebook to develop their own audio platforms. Liz McLaughlin, NBC News. The Canucks. 
Well, it's yeah, it's been a bit of a broken record, unfortunately, <laughs> at least the last few weeks. And uh, yeah, they just can't get going. Thanks, Colleen. The Canucks just can't seem to get any traction this season and string some wins together. Last night, they got a stellar effort from Thatcher Demko and had a lot of chances to score, but didn't and fell 2-0 to the Jets. It was another case of a pretty solid effort without any payoff in the win column. And even though that's better than being blown out, the Canucks keep missing opportunities to climb the standings, making it tougher on themselves as the season moves on. I don't have time to dwell on a loss or, you know, uh, if things don't go well one night, you got to come out ready the next night because you're most likely playing within the next two days. And, uh, you know, the thing you're starting to realize about, you know, playing all the teams in one division is, you know, a, a drop-off isn't as big as it looks and, a, and a, you know, a push in points isn't as big as it looks the other way either. So, um you just got to keep uh, keep grinding, keep uh, trying to improve as a group, and uh, you know, a couple game swings here and there can, you know, it's going to change the standings throughout the whole season. It's going to come right down to the end, and we just have to make sure we keep pushing. NHL today, we go to picturesque Lake Tahoe for outdoor hockey. This rink on the 18th hole of the Edgewood Tahoe Resort Golf Course. Absolutely stunning in the sunshine. Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Colorado Avalanche, wearing their reverse retros featuring the Quebec Nordique. First period, Nathan McKinnon sets up Samuel Girard, who beats Marc-Andre Fleury. one nothing Avalanche after one. You see how sunny and bright it is, but that sunshine did not do the ice any favors. Melting, just not playable, so the game's been suspended until 9 o'clock tonight under the lights and much cooler temperatures. The Bruins-Flyers game scheduled for tomorrow afternoon at Tahoe has been scheduled now to the late afternoon, a 4.30 start instead of 11 a.m. Leafs and Habs, Toronto leading the North with a sparkling 13-3-2 record. And Austin Matthews just continues to light it up. Coming off a four-point game, five-on-three power play. Fires the bullet past Carey Price, league-leading 17th. Habs came back to tie it, but Leafs regained the lead. Mitch Marner with the quick hands, his ninth, 3-2 Leafs. And then on the power play, it's Matthews again. Rips the wrister, his 18th goal in 18 games. He had four points tonight, Marner three. Leafs win by the final of 5-3. to three. Islanders and Penguins from Pittsburgh. Career game number 1,000 for Sidney Crosby. 468 goals, 808 assists. Three Stanley Cups. I'd say he deserves a painting and a silver stick. Second period, Crosby will set up Chris Letang on the power play. One-time point blast. one nothing Pittsburgh. Now it's 2-2 uh, in the third. Crosby again to Letang, and that is the game winner. Two assists for Crosby in his 1,000th game as the Penguins beat the Islanders 3-2. And we've got some Aussie Open women's final. Heavily favored Naomi Osaka taking on American Jennifer Brady. Brady appearing in her first ever Grand Slam. Osaka looking for her second Aussie title. Brady hung in there in the first set. Check out this lob winner at four all in the first. But she could not convert the break point. She was up 40-15 on her serve at 5-4. But then maybe nerves kicked in. Four straight unforced errors. Gifts the first set to Osaka 6-4. And then Osaka really kicked it up a notch in the second. Nobody hits the angles like Osaka. Beautiful, quick, two-fisted backhand winner. Unreturnable. Then starts punishing Brady with the deep ground strokes. Finishes off with another backhand winner. Goes up three love in the set. 
and she wasn't done yet. Again off the backhand side, a little inside-out winner, and Osaka goes on to win it in straight set, 6-4, 6-3 over Jennifer Brady. With the win, Osaka moves up to number two in the world rankings. She has won two Australian Open titles, two U.S. Opens to make it four Grand Slams, and she's only 23 years old. Third round of the Genesis Invitational from Riviera Country Club in L.A. Check out that wind. Palm trees rattling, 60K a, a mile an hour gusts. Look at the flag flapping at the tent. Keegan Bradley's putt blows past the hole and keeps on going right off the green. Uh, the wind just too tough to handle. Officials suspended play. The delay lasted nearly four hours, but they did get back on course. Englishman Matthew Fitzpatrick way down there, courtesy the satellite cam. Incredible approach on the eight, sticks it to a foot, and he would make that birdie putt, trying to cut into the large lead of Sam Burns. Burns playing steady golf in the tough conditions. Fantastic bunker shot here on the short par four would make the birdie. A four-hour delay, though, means they could not complete the third round. Burns at 10 under through 13, a two-shot lead on Fitzpatrick. Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin both got their rounds in. They are tied at one under par, tied for 25th. Premier League, Everton visiting Anfield for a match against a free-falling Liverpool. Reds have lost three straight league matches. Not even three minutes in. James Rodriguez slipping the through ball for Richarlison. Fantastic finish by the Brazilian. 1-0 Everton. 83rd minute Gilfie Sigurdsson will put this one away from the penalty spot as Everton add to Liverpool's misery. Four straight league losses, first time since 2002 that's happened to Liverpool. 2-0 the final. Everton uh, now with uh, 40 points tied with Liverpool for sixth. And Scotty's Tournament of Hearts from the bubble in Calgary. 18 teams taking part, including three wildcard teams. One of them, uh, Manitoba's Beth Peterson, taking on Rachel Homan of Ontario. Homan's won three Scotty's titles. She can make the pressure shots. Look at that. Made to three there. 3-1 Ontario. Eighth end, 6-4 Ontario. Peterson facing two Ontario stones. Has to go way out on the far side of the ice trying to get one, but her draw is heavy. 9-4 the final Ontario. BC represented by Corin Brown of Kamloops. They are playing their opener right now against Quebec. The world's largest snow maze has gotten a bit of a COVID overhaul in Manitoba. Have a look. This creation just south of Winnipeg is close to two and a half hectares in size, about twice the size of its record-breaking 2019 version. The larger design allows for more social distancing, of course. The six-week-long construction was delayed due to unusually warm weather and, of course, pandemic restrictions. So cool. Hey, we've got some breaking news for you uh, on the 55th annual Variety Show of Hearts Telethon here on BC, um, Global BC. Tonight's tally has now jumped, I was so excited, by a million dollars for a total of, get this, $6,333,258. Thank you so much, BC, mm -hmm. for helping Variety Kids just be kids. Now, if you didn't get a chance to donate, it is not too late. You can go online to variety.bc.ca. Jordan will recap the total for us tonight because I know that all of you are going to help make it grow even further. All right, that is Global News Hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us now for the new reality. Good night.